on digital radio across the UK, online and in your ears right now. Welcome to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. It's, it's just I can't believe it's over already. Seven guests, 14 weeks, one Jeff Lloyd, that's me, and Series 2 is done. What am I going to do with myself? Well, to be honest, I'll be fine. I've been thinking about learning Norwegian and uh, perhaps doing some watercolours and maybe a bit of solitary weeping. Welcome to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory, the last episode of Series 2, where we take well-known British faces on a trip down memory lane. I'm delighted to say that Sky One is the new sponsor of Hometown Glory. It's right up our street. You know, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, you'll be particularly impressed, I think, with the skill in which I tied our sponsor into the message of our show there by using the phrase right up our street. Um, I genuinely couldn't be any more thrilled to have Sky One on board. They are, of course, the place for homegrown British comedy, drama and entertainment alongside the most popular shows from the United States. Stuff like Modern Family, which has won so many Emmys at this point that they must have to employ someone just to polish the awards. And if you haven't seen it yet, it is one of the best ensemble casts on television and one of the funniest sitcoms of the past decade. You've got to dive in. You can watch this and all of Sky One's other great shows by going to unionjack.co.uk where you can win Sky Q free for a year. And today it is the charming, cheeky, check shirt wearing chappy comedian Dave Gorman. Stafford dates back to 700 AD and it gets its name from Staith which means landing place, and Ford, which means Ford. The original settlement was on a dry sand and gravel peninsula that provided a strategic crossing place across the marshy valley of the River Sow. I bet it still does if you need to get across the Sow. These days, Stafford is most famous for its motorway services between junctions 14 and 15 of the M6. It's had 123 reviews on TripAdvisor and currently holds a rating of 3.5. Here are some of its most recent user reviews. We stop here regularly on our frequent trips along the M6. After some refurbishment, it looks less tired, but they need to signpost the way round to the lake more effectively for dog owners. Here's another one. Nice scenery. The view is just great. And another one. Stayed overnight in my truck and the showers were cold. Terrible. I asked the staff in WH Smith if they could put the hot water on. Nope. I mean, to be fair, I'm I mean, I'm disappointed for you that you had the cold water in the shower, but I'm not sure uh, that water in showers is the purview of WH Smith staff. It is a news agent after all. Stafford is also the hometown of my guest today, comedian Dave Gorman. Dave is one of my favourite people and one of our country's best comedians. He's incredibly funny, his stand-up is clever and surprising and precise 
and you really ought to go and see him on his current tour. He's going everywhere. The tour is called With Great PowerPoint Comes Great Responsibility. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and with the help of an iPad and Google Maps, I'm about to take Dave Gorman time-travelling to the streets where he grew up in Union Jack's hometown glory. Dave Gorman, hello. Hello, Jeff. So Stafford is your hometown? Stafford is my hometown, yes. What's it famous for? Um, It is famous for the Staffordshire Knot which is is the sort of thing you'll see in all the sort of ironwork on fences and things around. It's like the logo of the town. They're so proud of the knot that they build it into the civic architecture. Absolutely. Um, I I say famous for. I don't think it's actually famous. Is it one of those things that in Stafford everybody thinks it's famous for? I don't think everyone even thinks that it's famous for. I think there are probably people in Stafford who have never noticed the knots are all around town. But it's a thing that is from Stafford. But if you're asking the question, what's Stafford famous for? Either I've got an answer that you know the answer to, in which case that's famous, or an answer that you don't know means it isn't famous. So, Can, can you tie a Staffordshire knot? Uh, no, I've no idea. I can, I can recognise one when I see it, right. but I wouldn't know how you go about doing it. Um, Staffordshire knot, Staffordshire bull terrier. Of course, yeah. Um, which, if one attacks you, the way to uh, get out of that is to tie its penis into a Staffordshire knot. <laughs> that's where that comes from. Um, uh and what's the name of the... Were you a home birth or a hospital birth? A hospital birth. On the name of the hospital? Uh, it was in Tittensaw, and I don't know what the name of the hospital is. It's no longer there. Mm. I know that It's much. been raised to the ground. Yeah, and it's, um, I'm a twin. Yes. And, and the story of, uh, of our birth uh, is one of the few things that can still get my mum into fury because she felt very badly looked after. We were so heavy that she couldn't walk anymore. And then they did. They didn't do routine scans in those days. That's how old I am. So they they did a scan and discovered they they could see two heads. At which, and I'm not exaggerating, my grandma fainted because she thought there might be a two-headed baby. (laughs) I swear that is is true. So when she went into labour, they rushed her into the theatre. And it was like shelling peas for her. We were out. I was out 10 minutes after my brother. And the surgeon hadn't turned up to deliver us. And we were taken off to uh, postnatal, and the surgeon came came in and told my mum to push. You are kidding! And she's like, "No, I've already had two babies, and there wasn't room for her in the postnatal." So they took her back to antenatal, and we were separated from our mum for the first day. And my dad didn't know we'd been born because no one could call him. And they, my mum was trying to leave a message for him at work and whatever, and and he didn't know. So. So she, this sort of gets her so angry. I want to be clear here, this isn't like the 1950s. We're no, no, it's the 1970s. It's, the 1970s. it's just the 1970s, 1971. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. It gets my mum so irate. Even now. With this, uh, this doctor. I think she hates him. I, th- I wouldn't say my mum hates anyone else, but she hates him. He's probably dead. Oh, he's there. probably dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. she's had the last laugh. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> Because you, you're slightly younger than your twin by ten minutes, yeah. So I'm, I think now it's very clear that you would be the favourite son because you've been on television. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah, yeah. But um, as, <laughs> as, a, as a child, um, was was your twin more popular? Were you more popular with your parents? Um, we were known as the twins. Right. We were like a unit to our parents. So you uh, didn't was... have a single identity? No, no, very much so. And um... so, what's your twin's name? Uh, Nick. And you got older. Brothers or sisters? Uh, two older brothers. Okay. And uh, so it's Jonathan, Richard, and then Nicholas and David. Okay. Uh, is is the order, and um, we were, you know, if they were being told off, um, th- my parents would run through all the names before they got the right one 
you know, while they were slapping about the the calves, uh, which is the done thing back in those days. Different um, times. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> different times. Go, you don't do that again, Jonathan, Richard, Nick, David, don't do that again, <laughs> was the sort of routine of it all. So they could never remember who was who. Mm. Too many of us. Mm. Um, and we're two alike. And we're all within, I think we're within five or six years. Well, so somebody said to me a while ago, going from one to two is the difference between owning a pet and having a zoo. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> we can only nice. imagine what that's like yeah, yeah. for boys under under six. Yeah, I mean, they were trying a, for the third one, hoping to get a girl, and they got two more boys, which is a raw, a raw deal yes. under anyone's estimation. I mean, if, you, if you're going to have twins, have them first, and at least you can go, right, we've got two, we can stop. So what, what did your parents do for a living? Uh, my mum was a teacher, although... She didn't become a teacher until much later on. So she was she was a housewife when we were born, um, and then divorce precipitated her having to uh, find a career. How old were you when your parents divorced? Uh, I think we would have been probably nine. Uh, my dad was uh, a design engineer, and I don't know what that means. Because <laughs> I'm always interested in in what the perks of your parents' job are for you as a child. So my yeah. dad was a postman, so it's a lot of elastic bands. Yeah, we and- didn't have perks. So did you ever go and see your dad at work? He worked for the GEC, the General Electric Company, which was like was the big employer in Stafford. They used to have a big Christmas party for all the kids of the staff and things. So we would be in this huge function hall watching a magician do tricks he's bought from a shop and doing balloon animals, and we might get a little goodie bag with a book and a torch in it and things like that. That was that was the... the uh, that's the only perk I can think of from so my once dad's Once a year job. you get to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I know um, that magic is something that has interested you throughout <laughs> yes, your life. Yeah, do you yeah. think you could trace that back to these GEC parties? Uh, I doubt it very much indeed. I think that's much more to do with Paul Daniels on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, so is Paul Daniels on the telly, is that like a, a Beatles on Ed Sullivan or a moon landing moment for you? You can remember the first time you saw him. I can't. I remember some shows very, uh, very well. I remember the the Halloween thing he did, where he was trapped in a an Iron Maiden, and they had a sort of fake ending, and it got thousands of complaints because this this big metal contraption with spikes that he was trying to escape from in time, and he appeared to not escape from it in time, and the screen went black, and they faded out as if the thing had failed on BBC One on Halloween. Wow! And, so and I was so like, we, those sort of things were really. So we all thought Paul. Daniels was For dead. a few seconds, we thought he was dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Were you traumatised? No, I thought it was really exciting. I mean, I didn't wish him dead. No, no, but no. I, I was watching the telly waiting for the moment where someone went, it's okay, it's a trick. Most magicians um, really admired him. He was he was the best at the chop cup routine. He was the, uh, the you know, balls in a cup. He'd honed that on the working man club circuit. And it, it is absolutely, it is worth Googling Paul Daniels' chop cut routine and just seeing him in his prime. That he absolutely nailed. Did you think you were going to become a magician? No. Never? No, of course not. Did you have a magician name? No. So I, I, we'll fast forward a little bit, yeah, right? yeah. so we're jumping around here. But, yeah. So the, there wasn't a point at which you'd started learning tricks age seven or whatever it would have been, and and you were you were thinking... You know, I could see myself up there on the stage. Here's my, the great Gormano or whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I think like a lot of kids, I had a magic set when I was a kid. Yeah. With, with some sort of self-working tricks But there was no in. leap of imagination. No, 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 not at all. I mean, I just thought all that stuff was really interesting. Are you in the magic circle? Of course I'm not. Would you be allowed to say if you were? Uh, yes, I think I would. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was... <laughs> no, no, I think there are... I don't know, I think you've uh, very much overestimated my... Uh, 
aptitude for magic. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved icons. With Sky One, bringing you the best comedy, drama and entertainment from the UK and US. We'll raise our teacups to that. All right, the childhood home, where is it? What's the address? Uh, it is Seven Holly Drive, Walton-on-the-Hill, Stafford. And that's that's the home that little baby David was taken from Titany, Titany Warst. Tittensaw. Tittensaw Hospital. Uh, yes, it is, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened to Nick, but I was taken there. Um, <laughs> and and do you have probably to followed sh- a few days later. Did you always share a bedroom with your twin? Oh, yeah, yeah, until we were teenagers. Right. Yeah. Um, and who else is around when you're really young, sort of pre-primary school? Uh, are grandparents around a lot? Do you uh, my my mum's parents were around a lot. There. My mum is, is born and bred from Stafford as well, so her parents were just down the road. What are they like? Um, they were lovely. Our grandparents were Stafford Nan and Stafford Pop and London Nan. And London Pop, although I don't remember my London granddad because he died when I was a baby. We didn't see my my dad's mum very often, sort of two or three times a year, but we'd see my mum's mum and dad like three times a week. Um, so we were very familiar with them and very fond of them and ever so slightly scared of my dad's mum, who was slightly more imposing. They sort of looked like... Um, do you remember when EastEnders started, uh, the two elderly matriarchs, uh, Lou... Yes. Um, and what was it? And Ethel? Ethel, yeah. yeah. So that we, we sort of had a Lou and an Ethel. My dad's mum looked like Lou and my, my mum's mum looked like Ethel. Um, with hindsight, I think my, my dad's mum was incredible because actually she lost her husband at quite a young age and she taught herself, she, well, she learned to drive at an old age and did, was really independent and started working in a charity shop and really sort of did amazing things for herself, having been a housewife and, and, and of the generation where losing your partner would leave you with nothing. Oh, you know, and, and no life, and she built a, a really big life for herself. But we used to find her slightly scary. To illustrate something, okay, so when I was a baby, uh, he didn't have pampers, he didn't have disposable nappies, we had terry toweling nappies. And my mum had certainly turvicy nappies, I wouldn't, that you're having to wash, basically daily, you're having to put a boil wash on and sort that out. And one day my dad's mum was visiting, and she told my mum off for hanging the laundry out on a Sunday because the neighbours would say she was doing it on a Sunday. <laughs> like That just doesn't sound like this is possible only two generations ago yeah, yeah. for people to have that perspective. But my, my gran was very religious and thought that you shouldn't do any work on a Sunday. And you go, how can you keep a household turning over with two babies yeah. and nappies? What are you meant to do? And do you really think the neighbours are thinking, oh, fake gum. <laughs> What is she doing? We used to have these very formal Sunday dinners. So often on a Sunday morning, my dad would take us to the local swimming baths in the morning to leave my mum alone to prepare a full roast. And it was always the full roast, the full works, a really hard, difficult, completely unnecessary effort that my mum was going to. And we would be brought home and we would have to say grace before the meal and we weren't allowed to put our elbows on the table and everything was very, very formal. And we would sit at the dining table in the dining room and be very calm. And and again, we used to be sort of scared of it. That shit, I mean, you know, you, you have a young son. Yeah. They're fine with a bowl of pasta. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's We didn't have pasta till I was... I can remember the first time we had pasta. I was uh, I was ten. Are you including Heinz spaghetti in a No, tin? I'm not. I'm not. Right. I, yeah. So so I I didn't have pasta until I left home in that case. Right. Okay. Yeah. We had it when I was ten, and we had it because we were preparing to go on a camping holiday uh, in France, and my mum decided uh, that 
um, it, it was the sort of thing we'd be able to cook on the campsite instead of having, and it would be less bulky and we'd be able to buy it from a shop and it wouldn't be having a load of potatoes with us and that would make sense. So she, she sort of did a trial run in, in our Stafford home of here's some pasta sort of thing we're going to be eating on holiday. <laughs> and my oldest brother um, refused to eat it. And, and um, I don't and know still who, does. Uh, no, he's, he eats it now. But uh, at the time, a bowl was thrown across the kitchen. And uh, and I can't remember if it was my mum or my brother who threw it. I, genu- I just know there was a huge <laughs> trauma. It was, it was too exotic. And I'm not going to go into this in any great detail because it would be too traumatic for me and also for some members of my family. But the upshot wasn't my mum didn't take us on holiday and my dad did. Wow! Yeah, wow! And it was the, it was like the shooting of Archduke, yeah, yeah. Fr- yeah, yeah. Archduke Ferdinand. It's yeah, yeah. absolutely it a chain yeah, yeah. reaction of events. It really did. Were you a, were you a TV on or a TV off house? I think we were probably more TV on than off. Um, we used to, you know, we were allowed to watch Tiswas, whereas some kids were only allowed to watch the BBC version. So I always feel bad because I chose to watch Swap Shop. Yeah, I sort of started leaning towards Swap Shop as I got older, I as a t- child. I think you know, Tiswas but... felt too k, and I want to be the cool kid who yeah. preferred Tiswas because it was an anarchic show. Yeah, but it just felt too wild to me. Yeah, I think because we were from the West Midlands, um, and and it came from there, and it had a. It, it, the, I think it was on. TV in the West Midlands before it was a nationwide show, so we had a slight loyalty to it as a as where we were from, and also my uncle had met Chris Tarrant. In what context? I think in some charitable context, there was something to it because he did once appear on the show with some kids, and we weren't deemed old enough to go with him to the show, but some of my cousins or something appeared on it, and he was there. So he definitely had met him in some. So you saw your uncle on Tiswas? I think so. That's quite exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it any, were you or any of your brothers ever on any shows like Cheggers Plays Pop or anything like that? I was on something. It was filmed at Alton Towers. It was hosted by Bob Carroll Gees, and it was a kids' game show. And they, they came to our high school and asked us a load of questions and chose two people to be on it, and it was uh, me and uh, a girl probably... Oh, I think maybe there were three or four of us on it. I think Alison Hamer was probably on it and me, and I can't remember who else was on it. And what did you have to do? Uh, answer questions and run around and get things. And, and how did you do? In. We did all right. I don't know if we won. I genuinely, I, I, I'm too embarrassed to ever look at it. I don't know if anyone knows they even got a copy. Do you know what Bob Carroll doing now? I do not. He runs a candle shop. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is Spit still active? Uh, I don't know if it's still there, but on the website of the candle shop, they used to have a game where you could control Spit, who would spit out candles. <laughs> um, and I would be highly surprised if Bob Carroll Cheese wouldn't get Spit out of the box for money. But I don't know. <laughs> spit out candles? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how can we combine spitting and candles? Oh, let's not overthink it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved icons. With Sky One, bringing you action-packed drama. We're ready. We've clenched everything. When you think about like being really tiny, um, was music a factor at all? Did your parents like music? My one real memory of, of music in the house would be if my parents were entertaining, we knew they were having friends round because we would hear Pearls the Singer. Pearls a singer oh, yeah. coming through the floor. She stands up when she plays piano. Yeah, yeah, and that would be the record my dad would put on to get the party going. To get, and like that's, I can't, I can't hear that song now without thinking of, um, of of hearing it through through the floorboards of my childhood bedroom and knowing that there were people in the house. You don't think it was Pearls a swinger? Do you? I don't, I don't think, think there was so. any of that going on. No, I don't think no so. No pampas grass. No, 
in the front? No, garden? definitely none of that. All right. No. Your primary school, Dave Gorman. Yes. What was your, what was the what was primary school? Uh, it was Barkswich Junior School. Our back garden used to back onto the school, so we could we could sort of and often did out of school hours. We'd climb over our fence and go and kick a football around on the playing field until someone called the caretaker would come and scare us off. And the posh houses were what people called the the village. And then we were on the the not quite so posh. It's still quite a posh part of Stafford, but it was the modern houses on Walton. And you'd walk down this very winding lane with no pavement to get to our infant school, which I remember, the, the, my abiding memory of that is, it's my dad saying, always making us like hold hands and he'd always walk on the traffic side. And I remember him saying very clearly, this is what you should do with a lady. You should always, it's a gentleman's job to walk on the traffic side. Walk on the outside, saying, yeah. Which I do. And on one of my first dates with uh, the lady who is now my wife, I I switched hands to walk on the traffic side and she was like, what are you doing? I said, sorry, I just always walk on the traffic side. And that seemed like the most romantic thing anyone had ever said to her. That, that was the little thing that flipped the switch. But that's from my, my dad from walking to infant school. That's lodged in my brain. So if, if you hadn't, if, if your dad had never done that, you might have walked on the inside. And, Who knows? And you, might yeah, yeah. Not, you might not it's be married to Mrs true. Gorman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, which teachers stand out from, from primary school? My favourite teacher, I can't remember, there was a, a woman who had a really broad Yorkshire accent. Her first name might have been Carol, but I don't know. And she'd say Luke and Kook. Now, maybe that's Lancashire, actually, isn't it? More. It's uh, very Staffordshire as well, that book. Yeah, it, wasn't, it was definitely something, it seemed quite an exotic accent right, to us. Right. Then there was Mrs Lowndes in Junior 2, who we all adored. Then Miss Lester, who became Mrs MacDonald in Junior 3, um, who was scandalous because she wore a denim skirt and... Oh, some of the parents were not quite so approving. <laughs> but then she got married and became very respectable. Uh, <laughs> but she was not, I remember she once came into the school one day on a Saturday or something to do something and saw me and my twin brother playing football on the field. And normally, if a, a grown-up saw you doing that, it was time to scarper. And she sort of gave us a look that went, I'm not going to say anything. Conspiratorial. So, like, that's nice. Which I always think was weird. Why would you stop kids from kicking a football around on a field? It's like the safest, loveliest thing. It's like healthy. Why? You've got this field sitting there. Do I just let someone kick a football around? Yeah, What's the problem? Yeah. You know, but for some reason, we'd all get chased off it, and it was naughty to be there. And then the junior four teacher uh, was Cliff Johnson. Another first name. Yeah. Cliff Johnson was one of those who just had his routine his all these catchphrases. If your brains were dynamite, you couldn't blow your hat off. It was one of those. Like he just had all of. We had a PE phrases. teacher. Who, his constant one was, uh, "I've seen more going in Alka Seltzer." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he had like ten variations on "If yes. your brains were dynamite." Yep. Um, uh, did did Mister Johnson, and he wore the same grey suit every day. Uh, we were all called Gormless Gorman. All my brothers before me were called Gormless Gorman. And then when me and my twin brother arrived, we were Gormless Gorman 1 and Gormless Gorman 2. <laughs> Can you imagine um, now? I know. <laughs> I know. It's shocking, isn't it? Did you feel like you had to be sort of glued to your brother a lot in, in school? No, I mean, we just were. I don't think we felt like we had to be. It was a small school with one class in each age group. We'd walk in on day one and we'd end up sitting together because why wouldn't, you know, like... I think there's a thing about being a twin that can be um, slightly repressive because I think within some 
sort of boundaries. Boys who are seven will like other boys who are seven because most of them like running around, picking up sticks and kicking footballs. And there's a sort of limited range of things that you will enjoy. And if you're a twin, you've just got a ready-made playmate with you. So you've got less need to do the going, knocking on people's doors and saying, is Johnny playing? Because you've always got a friend who's available to do that thing with you. And were you both good at and uh, and interested in the same things? Um uh, no, we're, we're we're incredibly different. So, so my he is really physical. He's really sporty. He represented the county uh, two or three different sports. Um, he was the first team choice for every sport at school. Um, brilliant rugby player, brilliant football player, um, good tennis player. You know, he just excelled. And I was. Um, smaller than him uh, much i was the run to the litter completely and much more bookish and much more into words and stuff and and when you say you were bookish what what, what were you because you're not a science fiction kid are you no not at all there's a no. lot of kids your age were into star wars and doctor who and all yeah, this stuff and no i've only ever seen one star wars film and I used to love, we used to love all the kind of like the professionals, all those American cop shows and things that we were allowed Hutch. to watch. Yeah, Starsky and Hutch were loved. The Dukes of Hazard was huge. Uh, real crush on Daisy Duke uh, when I was a kid. Um, was she your first sort of prepubescent crush? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the test of time, isn't it? That's all right. Mine were. Um, <laughs> uh, um, I remember seeing Debbie Harry yeah. on top of the pops when she was still in Blondie, yeah. and thinking, "Oh, this, you're not just like someone's mum." You know, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Same with Agneta from ABBA, and yeah. then the other one there was a puppet in the Muppet Show called Janice, who I had quite a big crush on when I was oh, I know, yeah. young. She had the long blonde hair. Yeah, 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 she yeah, played, yeah. Played in the band. Yeah, yeah. So I had a type. Yeah, yeah, you then. did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a blonde musical lady. <laughs> and when you say you were bookish, what were you? What were you reading? Or was it just you were good with these school books? And um, stuff? I was reading, uh, sort of like we did, like Secret Seven and the Famous Five and all those sort of things. When I was love very a mystery, young. don't you? Yeah, you love, I love do, solving yeah. a crime yeah. of some description. Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory on Union Jack: a trip down memory lane with Britain's best loved icons. With Sky One, bringing you adrenaline fueled entertainment. Mm. Sounds like our wedding night. And and what were the streets around where you were living? How much apart were they? Were you out playing in the streets? Did you go into town? Uh, we was playing the streets. Um, so in the the modern part of Walton, all the streets were named after trees. Um, so we were on Holly Drive, and then there'd be oak this and elm that and we we didn't go into town that much we did go into town a bit when we got a bit older but but we would cycle to the surrounding villages it's more enid blighton yeah than i would have imagined yeah yeah and and there'd be we lived on the on the outskirts of, of cannock chase which is a very big wild open basically and what we do scrumping of, for apples climbing a tree uh, lots of climbing trees and pretending to be soldiers more sort of climbing trees and hiding in bracken and holding bits of wood as if look at you with branches. your swallows and Amazon's yeah but it was and, and we were allowed to just go off and cycle down to to cannock chase do you remember what's what's the most trouble you ever remember being in i have a feeling i can remember i don't know who it was about um, and I'm, which is probably shame, sorting me out uh, and and like ridding it from my memory. But I can remember a teacher called Mister Hooton. This would have been at high school. I was I was never in trouble before that. I mean, I'm basically, I've never been in trouble. I was such a goody two shoes kid. I was so one of the you know. I was just so easy as a school kid. But there is one moment I can remember. Mister Hooton, 
a teacher at high school, giving me, my brother, and I think two other boys a proper dressing down, and we had been bullying someone. And and part of his dressing down was, I did not expect this of you. You are not these kind of children. And he was right, and I flushed so red with embarrassment. What do you think it, was going on with you? I don't know. I have no idea. That But that dressing down was absolutely enough to make me go, oh, ugh, never doing that again. It's horrible, isn't it? So what was your high school? Walton yep. High School. What do you remember yeah. about the transition from, from primary school to big school? Um, it was it was kind of easy because we could walk to them both. So were all four brothers in that secondary school all at the same time? Yeah, then? yeah, yeah. So did you feel looked out for by your older brothers? Uh, no, I think if anything they would try and avoid us and try not to uh, be embarrassed by their little weedy. And were you still tight with your twin at, at, at this point? Uh, we were, but we were sort of finding our own own way a little bit so we we weren't always sat next to each other and we weren't always in the same class and things where were school trips to uh iron bridge the reekin that'll be combined you can go and climb a mountain and go and look at a a bridge over a river we might have done we might have done one trip to alton towers that was pretty educational yeah i don't know what sort of led that to happen there's um, some tragedy at the school. Yeah, I don't know. They always I mean, do something nice so that they repress that's, that that's memory. That's a remarkable thing. Just remember we, that we went on a trip to Alton yeah, yeah. Towers. At some point in during my childhood, the school they bought the ricketiest old bus, um, and and two of the teachers took tests to learn how to drive a big bus. But this just did not feel roadworthy and safe. And and there were sort of two teachers who had learned to drive basically an HGV with fifty kids on the back. I mean, Seems insane. Yeah, now. yeah. But we'd occasionally do trips to the theatre. I'd like a junior school. We did uh, the Wizard of Oz, and um, I played the lion. I would have had. I would I wish you'd yeah. made me guess because I would have guessed lion. Yeah, and you know, I stole the show, man. I just, I, <laughs> I killed it. It was, the, it's the comic part, and I was on, on top of the world, and I absolutely loved it. And and my dad used to say he knew then. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. He really did. Bless him. Um, what was your starring? You know, what was your your great performance? I think probably the the highlight for me was Dracula Spectacular. It was a sort of kids' version of the Rocky Horror Show. And the, my part, which was only on in the second half, but was a big sort of... So my friend Mark played Dracula, which was this very very camp Dracula. Absolutely, it was someone who'd watched Rocky Horror and gone, oh, this isn't really for kids, but kids would love it if yeah, they did yeah. it like this. So lots of rock and roll numbers and things like that. Uh, and I was his manservant, so sort of based on the Richard O'Brien character from Rocky Horror. And I've no idea what it was called. Um, but you stole the show. But I remember loving that and getting big laughs and how addictive that is. The thing I remember is I had this frock coat on with a tail and we had worked out how to hide a hand inside one of the tails. And I had worked out the time. There was some you know, corny old joke of I'll give you a hand and I would pull out a, a what looked like a human hand. And I had managed to secrete it about my person inside the costume and could produce it like that. And, and if I timed that right, the laugh was huge. Oh, I really want you to reenact it. I can't do it. I don't have the frock coat, don't have the hand. But you have it. You know, and I don't know what the line was. I just remember oh. the thing that stayed with me is the laugh. Well, if anybody is, is listening to this and knows <laughs> what this sort of knockoff kids version of Rocky Horror was... Yeah, it's then... called Dracula Spectacular. The script will be available to someone somewhere, obviously. 
Um, I think we. Can, I don't think there are that many uh, steps to make that happen. No, well, there are. That's persuading me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big step that you're not going to be able to take. The first one I did was Bugsy Malone, and uh, they used to do this like big audition day, and then people would get cut. And I can remember going to that and really wanting to do it. I mean, Bugsy Malone seemed like the most fun thing you could possibly do as a kid if you liked being on a stage and showing off. And they did the, uh, like, you lot all stand over here, and if I call your name, you stand over here. And I'm really sorry, but you lot are not in it. And I was in the not in it bit, and I was so sort of gutted and surprised because I thought, surely this, this, I'm born for this. What, Self-assured, what do you mean? even was, at that age. It was the first thing I'd, I'd sort of auditioned for. And then... I was sort of hanging around and the guy who was directing it walked through the room where I was hanging around and saw me and went back in and had a word with someone and then came back out and said, sorry, you should be in here. And I'd been called in the wrong list and I got sort of back into it. Uh, and I was just in the chorus, but every single extra little thing was given to me. So there's a there's a bit where someone's in a phone booth and he's tied up in a thing and he's talking on the phone. He says, I can't talk right now, I'm a bit tied up. Right, it's just one line, he's not a character in the rest of the thing. That was me. There were like eight characters who had one line that were not related to anything else and weren't really characters. And I got all of those. I was just given all of those little bits of, of sort of being silly. And are you thinking now, now, so we're, we're not talking about you doing your magic tricks, age six. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. are you thinking, this is what I will do for a living? I thought I wanted to be an actor at that point. And you ended up in a film, you're in 24 Hour Yeah, Party. but I'm not an actor. People, you I'm were not in an, actor. an episode of Absolutely Fabulous. Yeah, all of which proves I'm not an actor. <laughs> I'm very much not an actor. But you, I mean, the, 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 you're, you're misleading the audience a lot. Of the, like, your stand-up, yeah. a lot of what you're doing is sowing um, seeds throughout early parts of your show and misdirecting the audience. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. are being very much you, and I see you on stage, it's watching you up there, but you're also, there's a lot of trickery going on. Well, there is, but, but I'm, that is what I'm like in real life as well. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved icons. With Sky One, bringing you homegrown comedy made right here in the UK. Nice allotment. What was your local record shop? Probably Woolworths. What records right do you remember buying? I remember uh, Madness were, uh, like, my big love as a kid. They were the ones I would obsess over. Records weren't a huge thing in our house. So we had a lot of cassettes and things like that, which, you know, things that haven't stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. And we did get some singles and and stuff. So I had a lot of the Madness singles. But then we'd have the albums on cassette because we had a, a cassette player in the kitchen and we'd have to do the washing up and that's what you'd put on to do the washing up. Like Madness were the ones that were sort of skewed towards eight and nine year olds would love that and you know the video to baggy trousers and the flying sax player and all of that stuff it's much more likely to be adored by a nine-year-old than the specials which had a slightly harder edge and stuff so i sort of enter at, at madness and as i grow older it sort of fans out into other things like the specials and ian jewelry and stuff like that and did you have any after in, in stafford did you have any after school jobs or i did uh, i worked in um uh, a Tesco's for a while. So and my twin brother had worked there before and then he left and I applied for his job and got it. And it was just a Saturday job where, you, you know, it was boring. And I know if anything broke in the in the freezer, it had to get thrown away. So I'd occasionally dip my hand into ice cream and put it in my mouth because I was like, I can't get thrown away. It's ridiculous. Ice cream. What are you on about, man? And then I started working in a video shop. So I was a student. I'd left and, and came back for the summer. A school friend, basically. His dad used to own the local video shop. 
And everyone who ever worked there was a friend of this boy from our school. Yeah, fine. And I very quickly discovered the reason why it was always a friend of the family was because it it had an illegal trade in uh, pornography. Blue movies? Yeah, yeah. So just, was there a code that people would come in and and ask for a particular thing? Yeah, people would come in and say, can I see the list, please? Right. And there was a, a typed sheet uh, of A4 paper with... Were you told about this during your training? Yes, or right. day one. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there'd be the title and then a code number, which is always S357 or something. Uh, or all S something uh, and, and three numbers. Show them this list and somebody would go, can I have... S203, please. And then you had to go into the back and there was a false cupboard with hooks for mugs on it. You have to lift that off and get one of those films out. Uh, except that the the place wouldn't have survived without the adult movies. I can, I'll say this about it. They were all basically very normal, straight porn. So saucy. The only reason they were illegal is because it wasn't licensed as a sex shop, not because the content on them was illegal. Yes. You know. That put that clear. Um, and that was the roaring trade. And just when the bins had finished, the bin men used to come in in dribs and drabs and get one and go and take it home. And then they'd all come back about half an hour later and give it back because their wives were about to come back from their work. <laughs> Did you ever see any of your friends' dads? I, I saw one friend of my father's come in. and How was the eye contact? He, he, there was very little eye contact. The scariest thing was, well, there was two scary things. One... Um, a motorcycle policeman once came in, in, this hugely imposing man, like six foot five, wearing black leathers, police helmet, put the motorcycle helmet down on the counter and said, can I see the list? And I said, I'm sorry? He said, can I see the list? I said, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, don't F me around, Sonny, show me the list. And so I showed him the list and he rented a film and off he went. And then we also used to have... Uh, you could rent a video player or a video camera from the shop as well. You know, it was a video camera was huge. It was like this ridiculous size. If you were renting either of those, my job was to put a tape in the camera and film you saying your name and address so that you had we had a record of that. And somebody had come in and taken the camera one day, so I'd taken the camera and I'd filmed them and I'd put the tape in the in the drawer and off they went. And then the next day, somebody came in and wanted the video player, and I didn't have the camera to film them because we'd rented it out. And they walked across the road and sold it in the pub. Uh. Um, and so the police were called. Uh, and I was in the shop one morning. The guy who owned it, him and his wife were both there. It was like, so the three of us were there, and we were just starting the day. So the cupboard door was off. And then the police came in to follow up on the report about the stolen uh, video player. Um, so he's taking a statement from me and he's saying, uh, if, if you like, we can get out of the way of customers. If, you, if there's anywhere out the back, we can, uh, we can go into the... And I go, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. Let's just do it here. Let's do it here. And I see the boss slink round the corner <laughs> and say I'll just put the kettle on and I can hear the door going <laughs> and the mugs going back on the hooks and then he comes round with a cup of tea and says if you like Dave you can take take the officer around the corner now if you like and I, so I go around and lean against this false cupboard with dodgy films in and give my statement years later uh, the shop got busted and uh the guy who owned it was also the vice captain of the local golf club and 
So there was a headline in the local paper saying vice captain in vice shame or something like that. And my mum cut it out of the paper and faxed it to me. This is, again, what a moment in time. My mum faxed me a thing saying, so that's what you were doing that summer. <laughs> so I got busted by my mum years later. <laughs> I'm going I'm to let you go. Before I do, if you were to be able to step back in time into any of the locations we've talked about and just see it again as it was then. I, I have a fondness for the local theatre. So much of, of my formative years were spent in that building. But I have gone and played there. I have been on tour and done that theatre. And it's it's the straight the first time I did that was the strangest thing because it was huge in my imagination and it's tiny. I mean it's a it's a decent theatre. It's probably four hundred and fifty, five hundred seats or something. So it's a nice it's a nice size theatre. Um, but I'm normally playing thousand seat, two thousand seat theatres. All right, and Norma. it felt like that in my head right. as a child. It was like the biggest thing you could possibly imagine. Yeah, and then setting foot on stage as a grown up and going, "Oh, that's where the back row is." I thought the back row was, wow. Oh, hello, this is all right. Yeah, and just that—that that was quite weird. Uh, but that—that that building is probably the thing that I'm fondest of. Dave Gorman, thank you for taking us to your hometown of Stafford. <laughs> My pleasure. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best loved icons. With Sky One, bringing you action-packed entertainment. We knew you were packing something special. And that's that done and dusted and then hoovered because I am meticulous. Thank you so much for listening today, whether live or to the podcast. Hello to you if you are a time traveller. And you can hear all my chats from this series and Series 1 on the podcast right now. Peter Shilton, Phil Jupiters, Tom Allen, uh, the governess from The Chase, Glenn Matlock from The Sex Pistols, they are all here. Keep your ears tuned into Union Jack Radio for no other reason than I say so. Um, but also, you know, it's a brilliant radio station. They play classic British music and comedy. Uh, now, I just need to sort my contract out, and then I may, just may, see you for Series 3. To be honest, they want me to sign in blood, which I think seems a bit creepy, but they're insisting on it. Thanks for listening. I've been Jeff Lloyd, and you've been an anonymous listener. We value your privacy. Bye! Bye!